our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Happy Monday, guys. This is a podcast that I debated on putting out. This is uh, a lovely couple that have a dog that they're they're dealing with some major issues. They uh, have they had made an appointment to euthanize their dog, and um, I don't think they're going to follow through with it. And I just you know as I'm very mindful and respectful of there's a there's a threshold that I'll have, um, and and I think there's a a lot of really good information in here. And the owners are really kept together and know exactly what they need to do. They're just having a hard time making decisions. But more importantly, I think um, this is going to hit a lot of people that are struggling with behavioral issues with their dog and not not more importantly, not having anybody around them that can help them. And what do you do when you don't have resources other than make an appointment to euthanize your dog? Uh, I also think that Nobody is really being upfront with these people. They haven't given an opportunity to really work things out. So we went from an incident that uh, unfortunately a dog had passed away to um, euthanasia immediately. And there's a lot of like, well, wait a minute, hold on situations in this podcast that I just, I said, you know what, that's what I'm going to upload Monday because I think uh, it could save a dog's life out there and potentially even this one. And I'll keep you guys updated on this case because we're still working on it. So yeah, um, definitely interesting, uh, definitely a, a thing uh, that we're going to work through. So I think it's going to bring value to you guys. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you want me to listen to your dog training, if you want me to answer your dog training questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your question in the review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, we would really appreciate uh, just a review in general. We do this absolutely for free for you guys, and uh, we appreciate you guys. Also, FedEx is here and just dropped off my We Feed Raw package, which is always nice to see. I know Lakota gets excited about that. Um, surprised she didn't bark at him, but uh, see you later, FedEx guy. Um, as you guys know, I partnered with We Feed Raw, which is a raw food company that delivers fresh raw food directly to your door. I've been feeding raw food now for six or seven years uh, with all of my dogs, and it's helped immensely in their longevity as well as um, just the health of them overall. And I've now teamed up with a company that actually ships it right to your door, which I haven't had access to before. So finally, you guys can feed raw food from the comfort of your own home. The link is in the description. You guys can use the link and get 25% off your first order. But um, we're going to get into the podcast. I hope you guys like it. I hope it's valuable to you and uh, try to have lots of empathy and understanding um, with these guys as we work through these problems. And I know that you will because we're all respectful in the No Bad Dog community. Let's get into it. So we have a two-year-old bull mastiff okay and 
we are absolute prisoners in oh our house with her. Um, we have five dogs total. I have four Boston Terriers and one Bull Mastiff. She's the youngest. At the time that I got her, I got her when she was six weeks old from a breeder who I did a ton of research on who at the last minute uh, showed up at Walmart and said, brought me this emaciated puppy mm. who was nothing but skin and bones and said, here you go. And we were like, well, what are we going to do now? So anyway, um, a little bit after Delilah turned a year, that's my bull mastiff. She killed one of my dogs. Okay. She killed my oldest dog. I'm going to swear a lot and probably cry a lot during this. And I'll just turn it over to Rich. That's, when it's, that's fine when by I, me. It's all good. Um, so anyway, she killed one of our dogs. She killed my oldest dog. <clears throat> she was 13. Not not one of the four remaining Boston Terriers. And uh, so we tried to find a trainer after that. We live in rural Northeast Ohio. And everybody who heard about her wanted no part of it. Um, and the trainer we did find wouldn't interact with her. His thing was... Take a leash and a harness and distract her when she's doing something bad. <clears throat> and so, anyway, uh, we now can't have people to our house. People she knows from when she was younger are okay. Um, if you make, like, our one son's really loud. If he makes a lot of noise, like, she charged him in the kitchen. She ran at him. And he turned around. So it's like you said it on one of your videos she chooses aggression, but then when you confront her, she backs off. When I walk around the house, sometimes she growls at me. <laughs> sometimes when my husband walks around the house, she growls at him. Now in the last six months, she's grabbed two of my dogs in the same way that she killed my other dog by the shoulder. One, I caught her up in the air, holding her, shaking her. The other one, she left puncture wounds on his chest and on his back. And I just caught her uh, trying to get a bone from a different dog the other day, my one of my dogs, and I stopped it before it happened. So my entire life is this hypervigilance. We work from home, so I'm always watching for who's doing what, what's going on, what are you looking at, what do you have, what's on the floor. And now, I mean, they have a fenced yard, but I have a big, huge property. I'm like trying to start fencing in the rest of my yard because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. She doesn't, we took her to the vet. So anyway, sorry. She's been seeing the vet behaviorist for a while, which is medication and medication and medication and medication. And... Now the vet behaviorist says, well, she's not progressing, so we're just going to discharge you to your regular vet. There's nothing else we can do. So taking her to the regular vet, it's like a fucking nightmare. But the regular vet was able to give her her shots. So I don't, we decided last week to euthanize her. And I don't know what to do anymore because I don't know if that's the right decision or I don't know. And obviously we're here with you because we've lost, we've wavered on that pros and cons and pros and cons. And, you know, Dawn outlined the horrible incidents and whatnot. And uh, she will tell you that 98% of the time she's the 
sweetest member of the pack yeah. that there is. She's, and, you know, Dawn showed me a bunch of your videos, and, you know, you talk about, you know, we humanize our pets and things like that and where we go wrong. So we are pet rescuers generally. That's why we did not leave this dog with this so-called groomer because what were our choices? Breeder. But you know, do we send her back home to what apparently looked like a abusive a non-healthy situation, situation or do we we keep her and you know, and we kept her. We didn't want to return her. We're like I said, we're rescuers for the most part and us putting down a healthy 2-year-old puppy outside of you know incidents yeah. and don't right we're uh, we're vigilant and we we practice separation she has her own gated room um our oldest dog we keep separated um in a crate uh and she has her own room the other three then are are free so we we practice super super vigilance of keeping them separated but you can imagine it's not perfect. You know, you no. can't do it every minute. I might go downstairs to let them all up. And if Dawn's got her back turned or, you know, has, you know, went to the bathroom for five seconds, it's the energy, you know, when they're charging up the stairs, uh, you know, anytime makes the oldest, a, oldest one wants to bite at the youngest anytime one. Anytime there's a high tension situation, everybody gets bottled necked. Everybody gets excited mm-hmm. at the door. Everybody something. They start fighting each other. My okay. oldest Boston Terrier is a is a problem as well. He's very protective. If she does something that he deems wrong, he will go after her in a heartbeat. And that's whether it's wrong or not. You know, it's one of those well, situations. Wrong to him, we right. can't judge what. Right, I'm right. I'm not a it's, dog. Exactly. It's one of those. I'm an old man. I'm the alpha. You know, stop playing on my lawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he'll get worked up with that. You know, even if she's playing with the other ones. Okay. Okay. So you've decided to euthanize her, but you haven't done it yet? We can't. I, when I look at her, I can't believe that that's the decision that we've come to. I, I, okay. There's got to be some way. <laughs> and that's why we're. Be something, but I don't want her to kill one of my dogs. And that's one of the reasons we reached out to you because okay. we want to know. If we do this, we've tried everything that we... Well, yeah, so a couple things. Um, All right. So, you know, um, obviously the bull mastiff that gets aggressive with the smaller dogs is is a quick problem, you know, because, um, you know, dogs, especially five dogs living in the home... uh, there's bound to be arguments, you know, and spats and, 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 and whatever. And, you know, and think about it like this. And and my, my job throughout this conversation is to give you perspective and to give you an understanding of like what's really happening and what you're really going through, because it's really easy to get caught up in what you think is, is happening and what you think is going through and what you think is the only decision that you have. Uh, And this is something that I, you know, I've been doing for over a decade every single day. And it's not just working with dogs for a decade. It's working with dogs with behavioral issues every day, you know, all over the world. And so this is something that uh, I'm an expert in. It's something that I'm the most comfortable in. It's something that I was born to do. So I'm going to give you a lot of insight on this. And I think first and foremost, having five dogs living in the house, you're going to see arguments. You're going to see 
uh, some of these things happen, but you know, it, it's it's like uh, it's not even a comparison of like a, a battle. You know what I mean? And and so that's hard to say with Delilah. Like if she went after another dog and killed a, a small little old elderly Boston Terrier, it's hard to say again from the, the devil's advocate here and being a professional. It's like it's very traumatic, and I'm very sorry to hear that. And I and I wish uh, that that didn't happen. And, and it's terrible for anybody to go through. But at the same exact time, from a professional and trying to give you guys a reality here is you get a big giant mastiff that goes head to head with an elderly Boston mast or Boston Terrier, and the Boston Terrier unfortunately passes away from injury. I'm not scratching my head like that's crazy. I'm thinking like, okay, obviously the mastiff has some has some boundary issues or some aggression issues or what, whatever the case is, but the Terrier didn't have a shot. You know what I mean? But my point is, is if you had a, if you had a 13 year old lab or a 13 year old Rottweiler, chances are the dog wouldn't have passed away because of injuries, right? Because, so I'm just playing devil's advocate on that. Uh, and, and I'm not making up excuses and I'm not saying that the attack was appropriate by any way, shape or form. I just wanted to give you guys a little, um, uh, a little just devil's advocate of it as I'm hearing these these situations and stuff, and I'm not trying to take away from the pain that it was and it is. However, I'm just saying um, when a dog kills another dog, it can be a very traumatic experience for everybody involved. I never like talking about it or getting into it, but you know, I used to be an animal control officer for a small time, and obviously working with aggressive dogs for a living, these things happen. It's unfortunate. However, um, there, you know, when it, when a dog does that to another dog, it's really important to also look at the, the whole, like, like you would look at a, like a murder for a human. It's like, what are the equations here? Was this a, I didn't see a standing in the crosswalk type thing, or was this a, you brought a knife to a gunfight type thing? Was this just, you know, what, what had happened? What are the, what are the reasons why these things had happened? And also, um, what are, what are the variables, you know? So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. Well, that's the thing is we and don't don't think we're crazy. We kind of understand why that happened because that was 100% our fault. My old dog had started to have some kind of seizure-like activity that we were starting to explore and we have a downstairs that we left all the dogs together because we didn't know any better. So we don't know if in a seizure situation or something that that happened. And now we kind of separate everybody. We understand that whole thing. And and that sucks that that happened, but that was our failure 100% in keeping all those dogs together when we weren't home. And we realized Delilah's, you know, like you're alluding to, there was no match. She's a, you know, an 85-pound dog, uh, and there's four you know, 17 to 20 pound dogs, right. You know, she outweighs them. And again, mostly she doesn't go to attack and I'm not saying it's right. There's some energy or provocation and she, uh, you know, she's bigger. You know, I always tell, tell my wife, my parents always yelled at me. It's like, you can't hate your sisters. They're, they're girls. They're smaller. They're younger. Um, you know, and I know that simplifying it but no it's true it's exactly right and and you know again like living with five dogs there there's so many people out there in the world that 
have very similar situations as far as having this many dogs, but they're all, you know, maybe they're not as evenly matched or not because, you know, Delilah, you know, so anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Moving on from that. Uh, so, uh, there's a lot of layers to peel off here. So you went to a behaviorist, uh, my experience with behaviorist, um, over the years again, of just taking in information and hearing stories has been what you guys have been dealing with. Uh, I haven't met or heard of a behaviorist giving training advice, uh, because that's not their job. Uh, they prescribe medication and, and try to give you insight on what could be happening. But unfortunately, they don't do any training. They don't touch the dog. They don't, they don't trial anything with the dog typically. So is that kind of like, I mean, we see it all the time, bringing a dog with behavioral issues. Uh, the behavior said, here's a bunch of medication. Sometimes it'll turn a dog into a puddle, uh, or it can make things worse. Um, and then, yeah, you do that for six months to a year. And then the behavior says like, look, this isn't working. Let's either euthanize the dog or you'll have to go somewhere else. Is that the deal? Yeah. Just read our story. Yep. Well, I've hear, I, you know, and not to, not to sound cocky or anything rich, but it's like, I've heard that so many times and I hate hearing it every time because I know that you guys have spent a lot of money and time invested into that from, you know, working with this and, and, and I'm going to do more research, uh, this year about, uh, some behaviors in the country that maybe are frankly going to be helpful to dog owners instead of just take their money and tell them that the medicine isn't working. So therefore they don't have a shot. Cause I think it's, it's intimidating. And it's also a little bit of, um, schemish for behaviors to say like, I'm a doctor and the animal be, and, and I'm not taking away anything from their education, the amount of time they spent on it. But it is really frustrating from somebody like myself where you guys don't need a behaviorist. You need a trainer to come in and help you and put in that. Cause, cause technically like I'm a behaviorist, I'm not a clinical behaviorist. I'm not, I don't have a PhD, but my job by definition is a behaviorist. My job is to explain to dog owners what is going on with their dog and some solutions, exercises, and examples on how to fix it. Uh, and I've been doing it for, you know, like I said before, over a decade, but I've done it at such scale with success. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just trying to say, like, there's a difference between somebody that's boots on the ground that's actually going to take the leash of your 85-pound dog and show you how to handle things versus somebody yeah. saying, like, go go down the Rite Aid and Walgreens and pick up your script and good luck. It's very frustrating for me as much as it is for you. So I'm sorry that you went through that as well. Um, moving on, um, you know, um, one thing I want to ask you guys is just to kind of like get back down to the basics here is, all right, so we have a dog that uh, we're thinking about euthanizing behaviorally. Uh, so whenever we talk about behavioral euthanasia, just to give you guys, again, some context, uh, behavioral euthanasia is, is something that is typically recommended uh, when a dog is unsafe to their community and the people around them or the people that they live with, where there's no other options of this dog being successful, that's when that happens. And or obviously a dog had neurological issues and attacked everybody and everything and the dog's just right. unsafe. It kind of goes down the same line. Um, to me, what you're telling me right now, um, you know, in my opinion, I don't know everything. Uh, I, I don't know every all, all the things about it. But it's, but, um, you know, I'm interested to know, like, how much training have you actually done with her realistically? Like, how much time have you guys spent on training? And also, like, have you worked with a professional trainer that has come in to be, to, to tell you, like, this is how you handle this dog, this caliber dog, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And more importantly, here's what you shouldn't be doing. I mean, how much time have you guys spent on something like that? 
So zero, none. I, I took all my other dogs, went to puppy kindergarten and training and agility, and we moved. I am so brilliant. I got a puppy one week, one week before we moved from New York to Ohio. Mm. So we spent the next year unpacking our lives and rebuilding and doing all this other kind of stuff. And the training she has is from me. Okay. It sit, lay down, paw. I started working on place and none of those stick. I can tell her to sit and she will, but then she's immediately up and moving around. So there's none. There is zero okay. obedience here. And by the time we decided on that training was after she killed the one dog. And as we told you, we couldn't find anybody locally. Yeah, nobody even, wanted any part of it. Once they heard the story, she killed a dog. They wouldn't even touch it. We no. couldn't find one to touch it. Not even come here one-on-one. I'm like, I'll pay you to come here. I'll pay you whatever you want to help me. I'll pay you for private lessons, and I'll come there. And the answer was no, none and, of it. I want no part of it whatsoever. And, and just, the answer was go get yourself of that behavior. And and we don't dare not tell a potential trainer that right. she killed a dog. We have to be upfront about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's huge. Well, I think here's the good, here's the good news, guys, is um, just to try to take some weight off your shoulders is, you know, the way that I look at it is, is you haven't really – and I'm not saying you're not trying because I know that you are because that's why we're talking. I'm just saying like as far as things that you guys could be doing or you could have done, it's very minimal so far, which means like, hey, Tom, we have this gigantic problem and we really don't know what to do with it and we're just about at our wits end. And then I'm like, okay, how much time have you spent on it? You know, granularly, like how much time have you spent in the problem? It's like, well, really none, and that's good to hear because sometimes it's it's a little bit more challenging when you say, oh yeah, we've tried three professional trainers, we've done a board and train, we've done X, Y, and Z, we've tried this, we've tried that, and still not, you know, we're we're not seeing any results or anything like that. This is more like I have a problem to the highest degree, and we haven't really done much about it yet. So that's a good thing. Um, so, okay, let's start digging into this. Um, a couple things. I mean, first of all, too, like I had this conversation with somebody, uh, last week too, where we talked about this euthanasia thing. And I was just saying like, this dog didn't like one of the other dogs in the house, right? She, um, she just didn't like one of the dogs. I think they had three other dogs and she just kept attacking this one dog attacking this one dog. She's never had a problem with people. She's never had a problem with any of the other dogs. She was sweet as pie. And she, they, she just kept, they just kept saying like, you know, we're going to euthanize her because we have no other options. And I'm like, guys, one big option or the biggest option that you're not even talking about is your dog would, if your dog has never had a, because the, the question was, was a neurological problem. It was, is this dog neurologically, um, you know, basically retarded? Like, is this, can this dog control her behavior or is she a danger to society? Is she going to lash out at anybody at any time? That's where behavior euthanasia happens because that's a giant liability and we don't want anybody to get hurt. And well, we never want anybody to get hurt, but I was just explaining to this person, like if, if this dog has never had a problem with people and has never had a problem with any of the other dogs, 
this dog can just go to a different home and live happily ever after and just just being placed in a different home because not every home is i mean think about it like you guys are you guys um, sound like you understand the rescue and the foster situation i mean that's why fosters and rescues pretty much exist that's why shelters exist is because dogs some dogs don't fit in homes and people really don't either have the means time or money or energy or know how to to get into it but um so that's one thing is just like just off the bat if i had if you guys only had 10 minutes with me i'd say look don't euthanize her try to find somebody else with a that 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 is has a single dog home they don't have any other dogs they're looking for a bigger dog they have experience with mastiffs boom and then they can go into training so that's just one thing too i just want to again take some of that pressure off you take some of that tension off your chest is just understand like from a from a behavioral standpoint i'm going to talk about how she is with other people in a minute, but, um, it, it sounds to me, and I'm just going to try to break this down a little bit. It sounds to me that we have it. So first of all, um, mastiffs in general are very protective by nature. That's their breed. That's, that's why people get them. They're very large. They're very powerful. They're very stubborn. They're very hard headed. Um, they love their people. Um, and sometimes if they don't know you, then, they can be a little bit intimidating and they can be pushy and they could set boundaries and they could be like, Hey, Hey, Oh, okay. It's just you, you know, these, these types of things. But moreover than that, um, mastiffs that do not get, um, some sort of, well, let's bring it back even further than that. Let's talk about genetics, pick this puppy up emaciated, um, in a Walmart parking lot for, you know, a couple bills or whatever it was. It's like, chances are like you said like you did all this research and it is what it is like you know what i mean you guys were in a situation where the, and i hear this all the time and it almost seems that breeders do this on purpose where they know that you guys are good people and they know that when they meet you in that parking lot and you're seeing this puppy that you're not going to send the dog back they know that so you're you're kind of bait and hook bait and switch type thing where it's like that's what we called it yeah and i would agree and it sucks that people are like that but you know, it doesn't, people who treat puppies like that obviously do not care about your emotions if they're that type of, you know, human and devil, in my opinion, you know. So, uh, so there's that. So, so there's genetics, right? So you have genetics. Genetics play a big role. Um, it's not everything. It's not the reason exactly why certain things happen for a reason, but I mean, it definitely plays a role and try to put pieces together. And that's the way I'm doing this right now in my head is I have this huge, like, you know, board of investigation. I'm trying to connect all the dots here. And then moving forward from that, we have a dog that, you know, came to you a certain way, uh, probably didn't get what it needed as a puppy puppy, you know, socialization, um, hanging out with mom and brother and sisters, whatever. So then you take a dog that kind of has the card stacked against him because the genetics and all this stuff, and then also doesn't have in that structure. And then, like you were said, Don, you kind of moved around a little bit, um, you know, whatever. The things are a little bit chaotic. So you don't have any structure. We don't have any training. This dog just kind of lives free for all. But not only does this dog live free for all, this dog lives free for all with four other dogs that also live free for all. Yes. And so you're kind of like building this recipe for disaster, in my opinion. And again, and I want you to understand that that comes from a loving place when I say that because my objective right now is to try to keep this dog from being euthanized if we can. And, and, and 
if it's appropriate. Like there has been times where, you know, some dogs, we give them extra chances and it turns out not so good. And, um, but most often people just don't know what to do with the dog they have. And they think that that's, you know, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so, um, moving forward from that, uh, I think that this is like a perfect disaster kind of recipe here. It's like get a poorly bred bull mastiff and put it around a bunch of other dogs with little or no structure and then don't train the dog. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, the dog's going to make mistakes. The dog's probably going to be very primal and very like, you know, cause that, that is common too, unfortunately, especially in the animal kingdom where it, I think by nature, obviously elderly animals get killed because of their inability to protect themselves and their immune systems and sure. all that stuff. Sure. Yeah elderly and we also heard like maybe you know elderly and sick dogs yeah like a primal thing with the yeah. young often yes. take out the old and sick oh huh. yeah it, heard that. yeah it's it, it's a thing that that has happened uh i've seen it in in different parts of the dog world um like street dogs and wolves and um i should say canine world i guess but it is a thing. Uh, once a dog basically gets to this point where they can't really protect themselves and they can't, then other dogs just euthanize the dog. Basically, you know, it's, it's just, it, we can't as humans understand why these things happen and we can't, you know, we can throw our emotions on it and say, why would you kill your sister or your brother? But that's not the, how they look at it. They're looking at it as like, I'm doing you a favor or doing that's them a so, favor. You know, I don't, yeah, <clears throat> Yeah. So I, it's, it's, we could all like, I, who knows really, nobody really knows. Right. It's all just like trial and error and just watching and having a ton of experience. And that's where like, I, you know, that's where I really shine as an expert in this as a behavioral expert. It's what I love to do. And so anyway, uh, so all of this, you know, makes sense, right? The situations that, you know, you might go down the road of euthanasia is when things don't make any sense. Where you say, yeah, you know, Delilah, here, let me give you some examples of behavioral warranted euthanasias. Meaning, let's give you some appropriate euthanasia or behavioral euthanasia scenarios. It would be, yeah, Delilah and I were hanging out on the couch and out of nowhere she got up and, and bit my face. No, out of nowhere. I was petting her. She got up and bit my face. That was one strike. Well, a couple months later, my nieces and nephews were over. And Delilah has always loved little Jack and Emily. Always. I've always loved her and him. And, well, luckily I was around, but I saw her start to get stiff and growling at one of the kids, and she tried to go after one of the kids. And that's strike two. And then, yeah, maybe if it's another dog we have in the house, out of nowhere, my dog went up, stared at the other dog in the face, and just attacked her and tried to kill her. Okay, that's strike three. These are the situations that, I have been okay with being like, okay, I, I would support your decision for behavioral euthanasia because this dog has a screw loose and is very unsafe to you and your family. And that's, that's the opposite of why we have dogs. You know, we have dogs to better our lives, not make it worse. Right. And vice versa. We, th the dog is obviously not happy. Imagine making the decision to get up and just try to kill your brother or sister because you've gone mad. They don't enjoy it either. So we're not really talking about that, guys. We're talking about a gigantic mastiff with little to no training with backyard breeding genetics that 
has some arguments with some terriers and wins. And it's like, yeah. okay. Um, so one thing, guys, uh, moving forward, I want to talk about your relationship. And I'm going to kind of go through this spiel a little bit. Okay. Uh, and and because I kind of have an idea of like where you guys are at and then we'll we'll chat about it. But I could just tell you that it doesn't matter what breed you have of dog. Doing this over and over again every day, all over the world. And when I say all over the world, like I've already talked to somebody from Argentina today and, and I'm going to, you know, what, what my point is, is it's consistent. I have consistent, I have a consistent database of things that I've collected over the years from all over. And one of the biggest consistencies that I see with dog owners having behavioral problems with their dog is a structured relationship of respect and boundaries and limitations, which would mean in, 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 I think respect is like the word I want to highlight here. So that means like my dog, you can, she's this, I'm in my like little studio. We have a bed right here. So she's right here. So if I said her name right now and told her to get off the bed by not moving, or I told her to come over here, she would, because it, it, it's not even about like her being like, okay, what do you want? Or it's not even me wanting anything. It's just, Am I able to tell my dog to do something? And she's just like, okay. And then she thinks after the fact of like, wait, why'd I do that? It's more about respect. Like, okay, I'm going to do what you want. And it's not about being alpha. It's not about being in control all the time and not being able to like this dog. I mean, look at her. She's on this big comfy king size bed licking her paws. I mean, she's great. But if I told her to do something, she's not going to have this filter in her head to say, do I have to, or why? Or what are you going to do about it if I don't? We have this relationship because I developed it from an early age of structure, reinforcement, enforcement, reward-based systems, uh, also just holding the dog accountable if they don't do something that they know better than, all these things. And so one thing, again, I think the biggest thing that I find with my clients is the lack thereof. So when you say, Delilah, come, or anything, if you're like, Delilah, come here or Delilah, leave it, or whatever. Does she have in her head a history, like a cognitive history in her head that she can go back on this Rolodex of, if I don't listen to mom or dad in this situation, are there any repercussions? Is there any reason for me to really go away from something I don't want to? Um, You know, we have dog one right here. Delilah comes up, boom, there's a bone in between them. Delilah, come. Not only have you... So there's so many fundamental things here to pull off. Not only does she probably not know what come is or Delilah here, but we haven't practiced it under any circumstances for her to actually apply it or for you to actually apply it in realistic environments. And furthermore, if she doesn't do it, is there anything in her head that's like, all right, fine. And and the answer is no. I mean, all of that kind of goes into play. And so... You know, let me just step in. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I, when I, I have had a situation where the dog next door ran over into our yard, a doodle, right? Who's, ooh. Uh And I knew there would be a problem. And I said, Delilah, go in the house. And she'll, (laughs) she will listen to me with that kind of stuff. Leave it, this and that. It's, there are times at the window with the Amazon guy in the middle of a fight when that's when I can't right. call her off. Or if I say to her in bed, lay down, she will lay down and she won't move. But like, 
There's just times I can't. When her focus is so yeah. focused. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a fight, I stand no chance. In a fight, I have to literally be get in myself in, in there. Between them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. So, okay, great. Good to know. Fair enough. Um, I, I wouldn't expect that, but it's good to know that she will. But I'll just say again, like coming from a professional standpoint, excuse me, I would say like, so really what it comes down to is, well, when I asked Delilah to do something and she's like willing and able, she'll do it because she knows you may be upset. But the moment she's like, no, 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 Amazon or no, 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 I'm upset at the other dogs. That's where... And, and this is the, so to be honest with you guys and be frank, this is where that rubber kind of meets the road. This is where training actually matters is, I mean, why do we train? I mean, if our dogs, if we were to just say, Delilah, get off the bed, Delilah, go lay down, Delilah, come here when called, Delilah, do this. And our dogs just, why would we need training? We would never need training because our dogs just listen. But there's situations that we're going to flash in front of our dog's eyes of like, this is going to be challenging for you to do. This is going to tempt you. This is going to make you upset. This is going to make you frustrated. It's like any anything else in life. Like, what is that thing that we really don't want to do, but we do anyway because we know it's the right thing or we know we want to do it. It's like, what is that thing, right? And so when it comes down to it, is that's what I mean, is you don't hold any light and you don't hold any ground when your dog actually wants to do something. And the the problem is never, like we wouldn't be talking right now if you said, yeah, sometimes she's selective about when she comes back off leash. Nope. The problem is, is when she decides to get after another dog, you don't exist. And that's the problem. And so they're they're up until this point. It's like, she doesn't have anything in her head that tells her there's no fear in her head. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And I think in the dog world, specifically because of marketing, fear has been thrown around as this really nasty word in the dog space, like fear free or, um, I don't don't know how else people use it, but you know, I've always grown up as a human being, uh, knowing that fear is just a part of our lives of like, I don't want to get in trouble. And it could be as, I don't want to come home late because mom and dad are going to get upset or I don't want to speed because I don't want to get pulled over, you know, get into an accident or you know, there's so many different things that we make on a daily basis. These decisions, the decision makings that we make is like, there's fear there involved of like, I don't want to get, so what do we actually fear? For the most part, we fear the penalization of, of our consequences, right? We fear the consequences of, well, and it could be from a social, not a socialization, but like a community thing where like, again, speeding, or it could be like, I don't know, eating too much food at Thanksgiving and now you feel like crap. Like there's so many different consequences that we go through on a daily basis. But my point is, is when Delilah's like, I'm going to do this, there's no consequence or punishment that has ever happened ever in her life that she's yeah. actually been like, oh, okay, my bad. I won't do that anymore. Yeah. So, so how do we build up a relationship with a dog to develop that respect and to develop the dog to cognitively remember, like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to make a mistake. So when she looks and she decides to, like, do something and we say, Delilah, leave it. or Delilah, no. 
she's going to go after it. Now, I will be fair to say that in most situations, probably, not a lot of people, regardless of how much training or how much work they've done with their dogs, there's going to be certain situations where you're going to throw a squirrel at the dog and they're going to go after it. But mm-hmm. it's it's the amount of control that you have and the ability to control your dog under those circumstances. And so if I were to, you know, if I were to bet on the equation is like, if you're not practicing everyday boundary setting with your dog, essentially when you actually need to set that boundary, you're not going to be successful at it. So if you're not practicing this regularly, and here's here's the key here, okay? Because here's what some people will say, and I've, I I hear this a lot, is I'll say, okay, let's let's put a leash on her, let's bring her up to the door, let's tell her to sit, let's tell her to stay, and then I want you to walk through the door, and I want her to stay there until you release her. Some people say, oh no, I can do that, great. But here's here's where it this is the this is the missing piece here. I'm like, okay. Great. I'm glad that you can do that. But if she decides to get up and lunge through that door and say, you know what? I want to go outside. I know I didn't get broken yet. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to break through. That's where the, that's where the learning happens. What do you, what do you do in that moment when the dog's like flipping you off? Like, see you later. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. I want to be outside instead. That. That's that's the moment that I'm talking about, okay? Because a lot of people, what they do is they just reset the dog. They just put the dog back. But unfortunately, and I've just I've done thousands of these tests with with small dogs, little dogs, purebred dogs, mixed dogs, uh, aggressive dogs, f- f- uh, fearful dogs, anxious dog. I've done it in so many categories, and this is this is it. This is. There's a lot of other things that go into it, but what is the main reason why dogs just do not have respect for their owners is because when the dog makes a mistake or the dog does something against the owner's terms and they know better, meaning they're like, I know what sit and stay is. I'm just not doing it because I got a whiff of a squirrel outside. I'm out of here. And then you catch your dog, Delilah, no, we come back. Well, think about that structure and how it's put together. You said, Delilah, sit and stay. She goes, yep, I know this. We've been working on this, which is a whole other thing. Some people are like, oh, we've never worked on that. And that's just like getting right back on the puppy stuff. Sit, stay, open the door. She's like, yeah, I'm out of here. That structure right there, you can copy and paste almost in any other circumstance in you and your dog's life. And it'll predicate how things work. So again, um, example, you put Delilah in her bed in a, in a stay over here. And then one of the dogs just kind of like walks through the room and she sees a bone over here and you say, Delilah stay. And she goes, I know it stays, but I'm not doing it. I'm going boom. What is the filter right there where she's going to say like, I don't want to get in trouble or I don't want to make that move. And right now it just doesn't exist in your ecosystem with her. So if she wants to do something and she knows it's wrong, the very minimal thing that's going to happen to her is you're just going to verbally scold her and she's probably going to mope away and that's it. So there's no real uh, accountability when your dog decides to do something as violent as kill another dog or attack another dog or as subtle as breaking a downstay because they just don't want to. But that just don't want to 
that mentality of, and, and we've seen it, in, look, at, look, look at it statistically with kids. Kids who have been grown up or brought up uh, in the foster care and they, they don't really have balance and they don't have structure and they don't have somebody guiding them, that's the majority of the people that unfortunately are in prison and, and making really bad mistakes. Not all of them. Uh, but I've just, I've recently done some research on like the correlations of the behavior and the structure and the importance of structure. And, um, and it, it, it is a thing. I mean, we can't kind of shy away from what's going on, but so to create that relationship with her and, and, and more importantly, like as a professional, here's what I'm frankly saying is Delilah is an 85 pound dog that has made some mistakes in her life but yet she's never been punished for anything effectively. And now the next decision is to euthanize her because of that. To me, I don't think that's a necessary step in the, in the process. That's what I think. Okay. So what do we do? Yeah. How do I get structure? <laughs> just for your own notes. Yeah. I did try to rehome her. Uh-huh. On. I tried rescues. I tried, you know what the rescues tell you as soon as they know she's killed a dog. Yeah. Fuck off. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, and, and again, to, I'm, I'm, I always like try to play devil's advocate and try to be fair. As I, I get it too. You know, these rescues are looking for the dogs that have been like beaten and abused and they're just looking for a place to not get beaten and abused. And so those dogs are always going to yeah. Always going to get in first, you know, between between the dog and, and, you know, a dog like Delilah that has that history. So, okay, so from here, guys, like how do we restructure our relationship? It's going to be a lot of, I mean, it, first of all, it's a process, right? You need yeah. somebody to work with you in person. That's really what you need. And, and um, you know, it, um, you might have to travel to get to that person. Um, I, I mean, uh, just for an example, I'm not saying come to New York. I'm just saying that I... I deal with people all over all the time um, because they, and I'm not saying because I'm good or I'm better than anybody else, but there's just not a lot of people that are comfortable with working with dogs like this. And to me, the way that I see it is this is just a very pushy young mastiff that has given, has gotten no structure and no real accountability throughout the life. And you could get away with that with Boston Terriers guys. Like you can get away with that. Like they're, they might just like, freak out at the door a little extra and it's like that Boston Terriers are just like funny like that like they're just funny little dogs but you can't really do that with a with that size of a dog you know what I mean like if a Boston Terrier breaks the downstay it's like eh all right and but but you can't apply that to a Mastiff like you can't have that mentality because if the Mastiff if you say heel to the Mastiff walk with me politely and the Mastiff's like no I'm out of here you got two options. You get dragged to the ER or you let go. But with, with, with BC, like with Boston Terriers, that that's like a whole different, you know what I mean? Different thing. So even listen, even if the unfortunate things have not had happened between the aggression between this dog and Delilah or Delilah and your other dogs, you would still have a two year old nightmare because even if she was friendly, you wouldn't be able to walk her. It'd be tough to have people over because she'd be all over them. Um, it, it still wouldn't be fun. It really wouldn't. And so you guys just need to get back down to the basics of 
struck. And I'm going to go over this. This is just a lot of layers. And that's why I'm like, I'm yeah. circling here. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no, it makes sense. This is the first time that we've ever in our lives owned a large dog. Like you said, Boston Terriers, you can get away with that. You got four <laughs> five of them. We've had them for years. That's why we have so many Bostons. We love them to death, but we know they can be assholes. They're just yep. not going to drag you to the ground and, you know, and things like that. And, and, you know, Delilah is, you know, mostly sweet, but you're right. There's no boundaries. And that's what my wife's afraid of. You know, I'm going to decide I'm going to walk her and, you know, I'm not fit or I, you know, whatever. Yep. She's going to see a squirrel and I'm going to be done. I'm going to be yep. dragged to the ground, you know? Uh, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like you have to look at that. That's exactly what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. That's exactly what I'm saying is it doesn't matter if your dog has never had a bite history and has never gone after other dogs and, and, and has never had problems with anybody or anything. The reality is, is this dog is too big and powerful to not have, to not fear you guys in some way where she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble with my mom and dad. That's, that's like blasphemy. I don't want to get in trouble. That's, that's not good. And right now, like, again, if she never had any of these things, you still wouldn't be able to do anything with her because if she's like squirrel, deer, rabbit, whatever, she's gone. And you just, you, you have to just let go because, but there's, it's not just her though, right? It's the fundamentals that weren't done. It's the reason why, like, okay, I don't want to pull on the leash. Why? Like, well, we got to give her a reason. We can't just let her do whatever she wants to do. And again, I think the mentality of having Boston Terriers and all that stuff is, is, it, they're just two different dogs. And, um, so, um, hold on. I'm going to go turn on the light really quick. Cause it's getting dark in here. Hold on one second. All right. What is, uh -huh. the is? Yeah. What is the, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So sorry about that. So, um, so how do we start? Well, first of all, like I said, I, I really think that you just have to find somebody in your area. And if you have to drive to find that person, so be it. Um, it, it happens. Um, I, I want to, before I get into all of that, I want to know how she is with newer people. So I know that the people she's known since she was a puppy, she's great with. She, It seems to me like she can have stranger danger-esque type vibes where if somebody's in the other room and she didn't know that they were there, she might go in trying to check people's IDs, but she's not, you know, acting aggressive. How is she with, cause I'm trying to assess the overall situation. How is she with new people in general? So we had friends come and stay the weekend and we thought brilliantly when they come in, the trainer said, have them sit down, have them have food, let her come in. Let her see them and react however, and then when she calms down, have them give her the food. So we're like, okay. <laughs> so we have new people. They sit in the kitchen at the table. You know, we've got, like, food, everything else. She was like, she came in and was like, oh, hey, there's new people here. Oh, my God, I'm going to freak out. And then we'd calm her down, and then two seconds later, she'd start staring at the lady. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She never went after her next day. She knew the man. The next day, we have a whole plate of bacon. We bring her in. She knows him. We have him feed her the bacon. And she still is like, I'm going to take food, but I'm going to back up and bark and bark and bark and bark and growl at you. 
I'm going to take food, but then I, and it just, it got to the point that poor lady was jumping all over the place every time you mentioned Delilah's name, and it was just. And that seemed to cause oh a downward God, spiral. Oh, freaking disaster. So if a new person were to come here, she would bark and bark and bark and bark, but I don't think she would run up on you. She would bark and growl and pretend like she's going to do something to you, but if you really pushed her i don't think she'd do anything she'd try to run away yeah so if i can give you even a more clear example of even more strangers so we've had uh a water a basement waterproofing guy come in and i i'm in the lower level with the line all the time she's good and this was when she was younger and you know i the guy walks in and she's not doing anything she's like checking him out she wasn't even barking wasn't even doing anything but he was afraid of her, and he's like, you know, I know she's not doing anything, but can you just have her removed? And so well, she wasn't on a leash, and she was staring at him, yeah. staring him down. But then, you know, so two weeks later, a couple of electricians come to do some work in our circuit breakers, and one guy comes down stairs. He's she's never seen him before. Walks right down, walks past her. She looks at him like, you know, skeptical, and he's like, oh, shut up. And he's a casual kind of thing. I'll knock it off. Nothing. And and she's like, you know, hey, I'm your best friend. I'm just yeah, checking out what me. you're doing. Yeah, come back. So me. I don't know if they feed off of human energy too, like they feed off of yeah, they do animal and energy because the lady and I don't blame her. That's a big dog, and she was bitten once in her life. And she, no matter how we said she's not going to hurt you, she, the lady, our friend, was afraid to death. Other guys like, ah, I've had big dogs. Go away. Yeah, whatever. Get out of here. You don't and, care. Me. And she doesn't bother him. You yeah. know, it's just crazy. Yeah. So we see that all the time. If you guys watch my videos on YouTube, you'll see that like that's like everyone's big. Well, all the dog owners are like, I can't believe it. It's like because I don't. I'm neutral, right? And so she has too much freedom. She is too fearful and insecure and too nervy to be making those decisions. Like, hey, it, it's it's like a clown show. It's like, yeah, uh, there's somebody in the room that she doesn't know. And we just, it's like, you put her into the lion's den, just or the wolf den. It's like, yeah, just go in there and figure it out. You need, she needs, because not everybody is going to be like that that contractor. And I would agree, like, the amount of times I've taken dogs with a bite history by just acting like they're not there and walking away, and then we've we've had an everlasting relationship of neutrality and no conflict. It's almost every time, you know. It happens all the time, and so yeah, definitely. If dogs can detect cancer, they can detect if somebody's nervous, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely a thing. But she, but she's, you're giving. Uh, you're giving an insecure dog that's making a lot of bad decisions too much room for error, right? You have this living room, you have her off leash, you have bacon, you have a person she doesn't know, and you're just hoping that things go right. So for me, yeah. that's like a huge no-no. It's like, we're going to put her on the leash and we're going to use our obedience to manage the situation. And you're just going to tell everybody, hey, I'm going to bring out Delilah. You guys just ignore her. She's going to be fine. Just don't, just ignore her. She's fine. You bring her out, you put her into a place, you put her into a down, you put her into a stay. That's it. Right. So if you're, I always tell people, if you have a man eater, but your obedience is good, you could do anything you want with that dog. As long as you just tell people how to behave around this dog. Right. Because if you brought her out and your place was wonderful, 
expert level. Your down and stay was expert level. You can have people over. You're going to bring her out on a slip leash. You're going to say, Delilah, go to your place and lay down. She's going to stay there. And then people can move around and do whatever you want. Just say, hey, just ignore Delilah. And then maybe 20, 30 minutes go by. You get Delilah up. You maybe pop her out back outside. You let her hang out. You bring her back in. And that's how you manage the situation. But to be honest with you, with a dog like that, the best thing to probably do is just keep her away from people because she just she's kind of nervy like that. But that's her genetics, guys. That's not... It is your training isn't going to change how she feels about other people likely because of her genetics. Okay. And, 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 and I'll, and I'll mean that. And I mean that in a very binary way of like, you're not going to be able to change how she feels about all new people. Okay. That doesn't mean that training can't help her overcome her fears with a particular person. That just means as a whole, you're not going to be able to like, at a scale tell her that she can't or she can't go after other people and she can't scare people and she can't be suspicious of new people there's no training that's going to be universal and, and evergreen of like oh now you don't do that to people because of her breed her lack yeah. of confidence and and all of the things that's going into this she's never just going to be like oh i like every new person now but again that service guy versus the bacon lady <laughs> There is, there, there's a significant difference of how you went about it, right? You, and I don't have to reiterate, you, you did, you did, one of the things was very stressful and tense and like, okay, don't move. She's coming up now. Okay. Give her the piece of bacon. Don't flinch. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's all that's, those are just huge mistakes. And again, it's for, this whole thing is like, you guys were doing all the wrong things and it makes sense and why you're where you're at. Right. So it's not, so it's the best situation to be in, in your shoes, because if you were doing all the right things and not getting results, that's where that conversation would be, would hold ground. But the fact that you haven't done no offense, hardly anything, hardly anything right with her. It makes total sense why she is in the position that she's in because she's just not being set up for success. This is a, so anyway, so it, and it, and it's also like, Again, you know, one of the big things is people finding trainers that understand what to do and are competent about like, like I would never, I would never put you guys or that dog into, or that lady into that situation ever. Like, that's yeah. just like, that is like red flag central. Like, that's like really cringy. Like you would never do that. Even if it was like the first day, I'd say, guys, I'm going to come over. I want you to put a slip leash on her. I want you to, mm -hmm. I want you to. I want you to just sit sit next to your couch there and you're just going to hang out with it. I'm just going to hang across this and we're just going to talk, right? Uh, give me a second. Yeah. Rich, that's Harley scratching on the door downstairs. That's not these guys. That's Harley scratching. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. No, no, no. You're good. Uh, I was just saying like, you know, everything that you guys have done so far makes sense of why this is not successful, which again. No, we, we know it and – that whole situation was like, you know, the doctor's like, put her in her room, give her sedatives, yeah, and I know. this and that. Let me tell you, every even though Delilah was downstairs, every time that lady moved in this house, she went nuts downstairs. Yeah, I don't even know how she could tell it was her moving yeah. around. So we we knew that that was a horrible situation, and from that point, I'm like, nobody else is coming in this house, but it's. It's also, 
why is she growling at us and scaring us? Well, that's you know what, what I mean. That's what I was going to ask. Is like, what are the what are the contacts of her with you guys? Like, what is she doing with you guys? Well, prior to going to the behaviorist, the reason we started all this is everything came at once. Every time I went in the kitchen, that dog growled and watched me and scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. So I finally, we went to the behaviorist. I started doing some trainings and things like that with her, and our relationship changed a little bit. However, one day out of the blue, she comes upstairs. She sees me at the fridge, and she charged me. And I turned around, and I was like, hey, and she stopped. I mean, I stopped her. Then all that stopped, all that growling, all that nonsense stopped. Now she's getting to the point. Yesterday I walked in and out of my bedroom like four times. I was doing laundry. Every time I came out, she's sitting next to Rich. She's growling at me. I go back. She's growling at me. I go back. And the other time, Rich is doing the same thing, going in and out of his room. Every time he leaves his room, she's growling. She's growling at me. She's not hunched. Her hackles aren't up. You know what I mean? She's not getting off the couch. She's just growling. And it's aggravating the crap out of me because I'm like, yeah, should I be afraid? Should I not be afraid? What is going on here? And it's usually if she speaks up or I speak up like, hey, then she stops. I don't know if she isn't recognizing us coming out of a dark room. Yeah, sometimes or, it's like she can't figure out who you are. You know, or if you're care, you know, not even if you're carrying something. I mean, she doesn't like it when we're holding mops or brooms or anything either. You know, and even no, it's when you had your hood up. He when wore I was a hat coming and out of my bedroom, putting my hoodie on, and my face was still yet covered, not popped through the hood, and she's growling, and I pull through and I go hey and then it's like all of a sudden she knows who you know who yeah. I am and she's sitting there sitting and wagging her tail yeah the minute you say hey or stop it or leave it then she you know starts yeah. wagging her tail and she's all good again yeah it's almost I don't, I, I, I don't know that that I don't know that part I don't have answers for that um that's that's could be I don't know but I I do know that your relationship right now is is very one dimensional. I think she's she's opportunistic. She is pushy. She is yep. picking on you. She's picking on the other dogs because she's the she has the driver's seat. I mean, there's nobody in the house that's ever really like. There's no weight behind your hey, knock it off. She's like, okay, like there's no enforcement behind that. There's no, there's nothing, right? So, um, my suggestion, uh, for, well, first of all, this is one of those really tricky situations that. She could be a dog that is bratty and opportunistic and is like, this is my house and not yours and I'm a mastiff and I'm at the age now where I make the rules, mom and dad, and, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise and that's why she's kind of huffing and puffing and, and whatever. Or and, and I've seen dogs do things like this and then you bring them out and you work with them. Um, like you get a slip leash out and you 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 um you go for you know you go you Delilah heel right so first of all you have to develop some basic foundation with her if you do not have basic obedience with a dog and i'm not and i don't mean like go to the cabinet get the milk bones out ask her to sit give her your paw spin around and do the the macarena i mean fundamentally like understanding what heel is understanding what sit is understanding what stay is um things like that, like fundamentally, but then working at it and working on it. 
if you don't have those things in place, then you essentially don't have your ABCs and we're scratching our head about why our kid can't understand us. That's what that, that's what that comes down to, right? It really comes mm-hmm. down to that fundamental level. She um, does a perfect Ocarina. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, uh, and, but, but, but that's what you guys need more than anything is you need really, um, good obedience and you need somebody really, uh, first of all, you need somebody that understands behavior enough to come in and go, is this dog being a punk to you guys? Or is this dog got a screw loose? That's a situation, right? I, I don't know for sure what that answer is. Um, and, and the only thing, the only reason why I don't know for sure is because that is abnormal behavior unless the dog is going blind or the dog can't, can't hear right or can't see right. Or there's some sort of disability that's making the dog. But I've also seen really bratty dogs do that to their owners. They push them around. You come into a room and maybe they're tired or maybe yeah, you kick them off the bed and they're always on the bed. So you come in the room and they, they kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean. And mastiffs are funny dogs. Um, so I, I don't, I can't, I don't know for sure, um, you know, what the deal is, but I do know that it's going to be really helpful if you work with a, with, with somebody who deals with dogs like this on a regular and isn't afraid of the dog. Um, but right now your homework would be, well, um, <sighs> Uh, so when we talked about the euthanasia, like how soon were you guys looking at doing that? No, that was so more, we, uh, we made the decision. We talked to the behaviorist. She said, give us a call. We'll arrange everything for you. And then that's where it stopped. So we haven't made any final decision, final date, anything like that. We actually, you know, sat for a week and then decided, okay, we're going to give this one last shot. We're going to run at it as hard as we can and see what happens. It was a culmination of all these things coming together the last month or so. Uh, Dawn more so than I feeling like a prisoner in our house. Like we can't leave. We can't have people over. Not only that, we can't just lay on a couch and watch TV without my wife thinking, okay, where's Who's one sitting? What? Where's What's the other one on? sitting? What's on the floor? Because generally we now we have become good at separating them and stuff except you know in the evening when we're you know when we're trying to be all together as a family and again 99.9 percent of the time it's fine but you know that one second it's going to take the big dog to puncture the lung of the small yeah and you can't even allow for the tenth of a second and again don't get me wrong we are not proponents of euthanasia but, you know, there's that fear. And she's never attacked, you know, all the way, you know, attacked a human. But how do you know when it transfers from, you know, she's willing to do this to a dog because she's so focused on it that she won't attack the two, the three-year-old girl two doors down the street because she's picking dandelions and happens to wander into your yard? You know, how do you give – we did consider rehoming, like you said, or giving the dog away – but how do you live with, you might know in your heart, she's a sweet dog, but how do you know giving that dog away? She couldn't, she could hurt somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, you know, you still feel responsible. So all those reasons are made us contemplate it, but we are, that's totally not us. But we're just besides ourselves, you know? 
So, and that's why you're here. Yeah. <sighs> okay. We paid mega money for this dog because I researched the breeder. I checked this breeder's references for Christ's sake. I did everything right, I believe, until we got to Walmart. And yeah. then I realized we made a serious mistake. Then we've put all this money into the behaviorist. I mean, we're talking at this point five grand in the behaviorist. So we're committed to this dog. However, I'm at the breaking point where something's got to change. Like, I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Anybody wants me to do, just somebody tell me how to do it because I can't figure it out. Okay. <laughs> I can't figure Here's- out how to do it. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, first of all, safety is number one. So you guys should yeah. keep the big dog away from the little dogs as inconvenient and frustrating as that is right now. That's what you have to do because one more fight okay. with this dog and that's it. You know, that's what's going to, and I, and, and I just don't think maybe this dog is the right dog for you in the house that you have, but we might be able to really figure out. Cause the only, so you got to keep them separated right now. I mean, um, because here's what, like you said earlier, Don is the bottlenecking, the, the stimulation, the excitement, all of this into one little area before we go outside or before we get the leashes on and then poof, we get that like outlet. So you can't have that happen. Um, those are all like big, but those are things that ha- I would tell you, like, regardless of you have five dogs sitting, buzzing energy and the, and they're trying to do everything they can to outlet it. And somebody's going to get the, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. I don't care if it's Delilah or it's the older dog going after Delilah. That's too much stimulation. It's just a big no-no. You just don't do it. You just you just don't do it. The other thing that you should do is what kind of equipment do you have? I just went and bought a heavy leather collar that fits her. Okay. Before we bought the stupid cutesy ones. And I bought a prong collar for the first time in my life. Okay. And then we... Well, I mean... Yeah. After watching your videos and then we talked about the is it dogtra or something yeah, the e-collar. Like that? um yeah okay so i want you to start with basics here's what i want you to do i have a course uh it's called the uh no bad dog kickstarter course uh, okay. it's it, it goes over i created it with a puppy and i created it with this puppy and and what i realized when i was creating the puppy as I was developing the course, it was like this epiphany. I said, all of the things I'm doing with this dog is what every single behavioral case I have come in is lacking. Okay. They don't know how they don't know thresholds. They don't know they don't know anything. That's a good course to get. Highly recommend it because right now you guys have to start. So what is the the question is is how do we start implementing creating structure and foundation and boundaries and, and putting us in charge. First of all, I don't think she's going to, she's, it's just a matter of time before she gets upset with one of the other dogs. And what she's doing is she's taking frustration out. So she gets into this situation where she's frustrated or it could be a protective thing. And she just outlets and she's too, yeah. and this, listen guys, this happens all the time with dogs, all of the time. If you watch my, like if you go into a doggy daycare, you see these little scruffs all the time. You see these little fights and these nicks and these dings, but it doesn't happen with a 80 pound Mastiff and a 15 pound 
Terrier. Like those are matches that we don't do because it's not safe. It's not even safe really for them to play, let alone get upset with each other. It's like, like you were saying earlier, Rich, it's like having a, you know, having your 15 year old brother, you know, beat up an eight year old. It's like, it's not, it's not fair. So you can't, you can't have those guys playing with each other. So for right now, you need to start structure. Uh, you need to keep them separated because that's going to be the nail in the coffin. We don't want any other dogs to get hurt. Okay, we want to keep – but she needs exercise. She needs to go out for walks. She needs physical and mental exercise if you're comfortable doing that, um, doing the prong collar stuff, introducing that. Um, the No Bad Dog Kickstarter course teaches you how to introduce leash pressure. So it will teach you how you can start using the prong collar. Um, it will also go over thresholds, placing, sitting, staying, all that stuff. Um, I, I just – Okay, so the Kickstarter course is on your site. If Please, I yes. Online- G- yeah, there. get, get okay. that. Get that. Start with that. Introduce your stuff. Okay. Intr- Listen, work 10 minutes with her. Work on like heel, sit, stay, break. Heel, sit, stay, break. Give her boundaries. Give her tests. Play it okay. safe. Have fun. Reward her if she likes food. Get some food out. Play with her. Have fun. Make it fun. Give her boundaries. So you put okay. her put her into a sit, right? Make her hold the sit until you say break. That's the first boundary you can give a dog. You say, Delilah, sit. She puts her butt on the ground. She has to hold that sit until you say break or you say heal. She can't just get up when she wants. That's like step one. Somebody comes in with a behavioral problem. I say, if you can do a 30-second sit, we'll start with the behavior. Nobody can ever do it because the dog goes into a sit. They go, okay, I'm bored. And then what does that mean? I'm done. They walk away. So I'm like, look, we can't work on sit. I mean, we can't work on the behaviors because your dog just fundamentally won't respond to you. They don't care about what you just said to do. They'll walk away from that. And that's the first thing you have to start doing. So little things like that, that's what I was saying. Do the sit, do the place, hold her thresholds, keep her busy. All right, all right, guys, play it safe. That's the number one thing right now. Play it safe. Don't, don't do anything. Don't do anything silly. Just let, just keep them separate for right now. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. First one comes from Joey Abruzzo, five-star review ball targeting. Thank you so much for all your content that you put out. I've been watching your YouTube before I got my dog, and you've helped me base a plan of attack when I got her. Your content is some of the most digestible for beginner and novice handlers. Thank you for everything that you do for dog owners and the dog training community. I spend a lot of time in my car and I have to listen to I have listened to every episode which has helped drive as drive which has helped drive as a dog training enthusiast. Now onto my question. I saw your story the other day or your every day with Lakota and she focuses on the ball with the rope. I had a three year old wired hair pointer griffin. Uh, I have a ball and a rope that I use for play and building drive in her. The problem I have figured is her targeting and the ball. She always gets the rope on it. She will grab a rope and destroy it. I hold on to the ball and let her grab it. Um, so basically, this is a question on targeting. I once heard somebody say that sometimes dogs don't target the item because it's a confidence thing. I can't really think of why that's a confidence thing, but somebody said that. I know it's a big thing in protection, but um, targeting, uh, first of all, there's a Michael Ellis has a course on targeting. I know that that's not what you wanted me to say. You wanted me to give you an answer, but I just wanted to say that, that he has a good targeting course or he talks about it in motivation and play with your dog. But when you're targeting, you have to, you have to take things a little slower. You have to break things down. 
you get a dog out that's like, ooh, blah, 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 blah. Ooh, this is exciting. Cool, cool, cool. Bang, bang, bang. And they're trying to do everything they can to get the rope or get the play from you. So um, what I would do is maybe try to find a similar ball and that's not on a rope. Play with the dog with that, maybe some fetch, throw it around the yard and then present the ball to the dog on the rope with little to no rope showing. So the dog is likely not going to bite your hand because they know that that's what it is. So I would just take the dog's collar and be really calm with it and then put your put your basically your fist right right around the ball or the string or the ropes there's nothing showing and then just a little bit like where it's hanging out of your hand a little bit so the rope is going to be clinched in between your hand and your fingers and you're going to show the dog the ball and they're going to grab it you're going to play and then you're going to release all the way out to the end of the rope and you're going to start playing good job good job good job you're going to you're going to let go you're going to grab the ball. You're going to say, hey, this is how we play with this. Because a lot of times dogs just want to take it and run away if they're not taught how to play tug or how to engage into that thing of play. A lot of dogs just want it. They want you to throw it. They want to run away with it. So you have to teach your dog how to uh, play with you uh, during that. So that's my recommendation. Thank you for the review. Next one, five-star review from Meg ob13 hey tom absolutely love your podcast i'm so thankful for all the information you put out there i currently work as a balanced trainer and my overall and overall my golden doodle obedience is excellent he's four years old and we just recently started having major reactivity problems only in our neighborhood we used to allow him off leash with an e-collar and play in our unfenced yard however it's gotten to a point where he's gone after a dog walking so we no longer allow him outside without a long line and he's constantly making sure no dogs are walking by if we play chip fetch i use a prong collar when i walk him in the neighborhood on a leash and every other dog that we pass gets super reactive and now except even for small dogs um, so ignores corrections and change of direction sometimes can get him distracted and whole high valued in his face however if i go on a trail from him he can't be off leash um, i just find it strange that he seems so protective only after his but only in his house or his neighborhood any ideas Many of our neighbors have electric fences and sometimes have gone through them, chased my dog. Um, so it may have traumatized him. Um, so it could be Meg. I think that's her name. Meg, it could be the incidences that had happened. So it's not necessarily – so think about this. So instead of saying like, oh, it's only happening at my neighborhood, it could only be happening around your neighborhood because that's where the uh, the dog – has been attacked by off-leash dogs breaking the um thing you know um so i think that there's that just knowing that hey maybe this isn't necessarily like oh it's only in my neighborhood it's only in your neighborhood because of the circumstances that had happened so that could be a thing um where um and that's common um so i don't really know how else to explain it but you know like a dog has a situation where it's like every time they walk in the neighborhood they're getting charged at by another dog and therefore they're like yeah i hate it here this is terrible and it could it could definitely make another dog you know insecure or fearful of walking into the neighborhood and that's that's common so uh, obviously by building confidence with the dog um, and doing things around the neighborhood with lots of positive reinforcement to try to desensitize like hey this is a safer place um, because if the corrections aren't working and the redirections aren't working, that's either because your handling isn't where it needs to be, or the dog does have some traumatizing things that had happened, and you're going to have to counter that with obedience and really try to help the dog out um, by saying like, "Hey, this is actually a safe place," although you know some some crappy things had happened to you. So that's my recommendation on that. Um, 
so that's that's my recommendation is to just chalk it up as like maybe the reason why these things are happening is simply because um especially in the neighborhood that's where these bad things that happen to the dog um so i would yeah i would do your best to try to like recondition that to say hey this is actually a safe place this is fine this is good um and that's that's how i would do it um yeah but best of luck to you and i appreciate you reaching out and uh you know asking your question i uh, appreciate you listening as well i hope that that helps next comes from amazing podcast such a valuable information thank you thank you for the review bell's dog training again i'm pretty sure i recognize this one but that's okay do another one uh, i've helped a co-worker uh, or i have a co-worker that has a year and a half year old german shepherd that's fixed it's very reactive. I have met the dog, and when they let the dog out of the crate, I ignored the dog, and she would bark at me, like "Hey, get away!" and charge me, but would not react. But I would not react at all. And then the dog gave up on trying to ward me off. The owner and the dog is my assistant, and she's young and learning. I would love to help them make the dog's life a little better about modifying the behavior and having the dog think in those positions or situations, but how do I bring up offering help? I've definitely have mentioned like, if you need anything, I'm here to help. Um, so basically this is a question of like, how do you approach your assistant of like, let me help you, which is a great question because I deal with this all the time. I was actually just thinking about this the other day is how do you, let's see, how do you, um, um, I, th I think how do you get to a situation where you have a situation that, you know, cause this happens to me all the time. It's like, I was actually just at my cousin's house, right? She has a dog and, um, you know, it's like, it's like everything else, right? It's like, they know what you do, you know what they do. So, um, it's like, what I do is I, I, I kind of, I'm assertive about situations. So I was outside playing with just, I'll just give you an example. Like I was outside playing, um, you know, with, the kids and then I just saw the dog like jumping and kind of being a little crazy and so I learned this from Forrest my friend Forrest Mickey he's very assertive about situations he he kind of just says hey okay, let me um let me see that leash for a second and just kind of works with the dog and so instead of just saying like hey I want you to help or hey I can help because you don't want to offend the person because as a dog trainer you're like hey can I can I help you that's kind of implying like hey there's a problem but what I would just try to approach it is just more like hey can I you know I'd, I'd really like to dive into this a little bit um, I, I think this is an interesting case or I think that this is an interesting behavior or just like hey can I let me work on this for a second so you kind of like offer like hey let me do this uh, obviously if your assistant knows what you do which they do um, it's a perfect opportunity for you to work on that um, so that's, that's what, that's what I would do is just more like, Hey, instead of like saying like, Hey, do you need help? Or cause do you need help? Kind of, it makes it uncomfortable. Cause the person may be like, well, I really can't pay for it. Or it's, it's more like, uh, it could be offensive. Like, Hey, you know what I mean? So it's more like, Hey, um, that's why when we do the, to be honest with you guys, when we do the free dog training stuff, which we're getting geared up to do again, it's like, you'd be surprised how long it takes us to get somebody because I don't go up to people. Because I find that going up to people and doing that um, is setting yourself up a little bit because it can be, it's, it's just cringy to me. I don't do that. I don't go up and say, hey, let me help you. Um, we're thinking about doing it, but at this point I'm like, oh, I don't really like that. Unless I actively see, like what I, what I, what's cringy to me is like when somebody has a dog and you're like, hey, can I help you? It's like, is there a problem? I don't see a problem. Why would you help me? Who are you? 
do I trust you? Are you going to steal my dog? Like that's super cringe. But when somebody's actively having a problem, it's like, hey, you know, I'm a professional. I'd love to help you with this. Or, hey, um, can I help you with this? Or again, like when I'm stand, like when I stand in a park for free dog training, we'll stand there for a couple hours and get one person. It's crazy. Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's like the people who are getting dragged towards me. Um, it's it's it kind of works out. So I know that that's weird, but that's how that goes. So anyway, I, I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Um, we've been number one up and down consistently for a very long time. Um, so we're holding that number one spot consistently on average for a long time on Spotify and on iTunes, which is amazing. Uh, I appreciate your support and I appreciate everybody. Like all the time people will tag on Facebook or on Instagram, like what podcast do you recommend? And the No Bad Dogs podcast is in there an awful lot. So I appreciate the love. Um, and I appreciate you guys and this community that we're building. It's a beautiful thing. And um, I'm glad that you guys are all down with it. And um, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality. For your most precious gift, Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality. For your most precious gift, Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.